Welcome to the Humanise the Numbers podcast series. Leaders, managers and owners of ambitious accounting firms sharing insights, successes and issues that will challenge you and connect you and your firm to the ways and means of transforming your firm's results. It's developing them as people, you know, and, you know, Jan and I always say and Sean, whoever comes to us, we always want them to lead better people, not just better accountants, better people. What happens when you build stronger relationships or rather more valuable relationships and ultimately more trusting relationships between your team, your client manager team and your clients? Well, what happens is, like it's happened at Lewis Ballard in Cardiff, uh, they grow their firm. They grow their firm to a £1.7 million two-office firm and they actually grow and build that firm without it being so reliant on the owners of the firm because... They've worked out how to connect better in a more human way with their clients and as a trusting team hold each other to account and communicate in such a way that no one gets too upset when they're held to account. So why not join me and Neil and Rachel on this discussion about the detail and the elements that they use to make their firm a really humanised firm that achieves some really great numbers. Today I'm joined by Neil Ballard and Rachel Barry, and why don't you um, introduce yourself, Neil, and the firm, and then tee up uh, Rachel introducing herself as well, so everyone can get a sense of the uh, family nature of this podcast, please. Oh, thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, my name's Neil Ballard from Lewis Ballard Accountants. We've got an office in Cardiff, and we've uh, got a sub-office in Tenby as well. Um, turning over around about £1.7 at the moment. Um, Upwards of seven, eight hundred clients, probably. Um, very got specialisms in healthcare. Done a lot of dentists over the world over the years. Do a lot of pharmacists, but basically, we like acting for nice clients who are nice to deal with, who want to grow their business, and uh, and obviously will pay us as well, which is always a bonus. Yeah, uh, well, it, it does help, doesn't it? It does help. Yeah, it does. How, how many is in your team, Neil? Um, We've got 23 in Cardiff and Tenby, and then we've got seven or eight in India as well. And we outsource some of the work. Um, and we, you know, we're really very well into the technology, into cloud accounting and uh, all the latest stuff. So for, I'll go, we'll come back to COVID, I'm sure. Um, or maybe we won't for the following yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's hard to avoid, isn't it? So um, uh, what's your role in the business, Neil, and then lead into uh, Rachel's role in the firm, would you please? Uh, yeah, my role in the business really is um, more of the managing director role now. Um, maybe supported by my wife, Janet, and Sean, um, and together the three of us run it. Um, I really haven't got a client portfolio as such now. I just end up doing more of the strategy work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the, the Sean and all the other managers then have their own portfolios, uh, and they just call on me when they need an old person to put some experience into certain situations, so they say. Um, and one of our managers is uh, Rachel Barry, who so happens to be my beautiful daughter as well, Rachel, So, uh, who came and worked with us um, well, I'm sure was a bit apprehensive about it. Um, yeah, well, let's, she, let's, she let's can, go there. So, Ra- Rachel, how long have you been in the firm? <laughs> um, 
Oh, I think it's 10 years this year. Oh, wow. Um, oh, right, OK. Yeah, it'll be 10 years in August. So right. um, I started with zero qualifications. Yeah. Um, which was quite funny because everyone seemed to assume, because I was Neil's daughter, that I would instantly know accountancy. Right. <laughs> and um, they talked to me about stuff and I'd have no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> um, but now I'm um, fully qualified, have been for, I think it's probably, well... For seven years, nearly seven years, I've been ACCA qualified, and um, I've also got my Chartered Tax Advisor qualification. Um, I got that about a year and a half, two years ago. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, now I do know a lot of stuff. <laughs> now you can answer the questions you were able to answer ten years yeah. ago, clearly. Uh, brilliant. So, um, uh, Rachel, I, I, I worked with my father for the best part of a decade. So I've got an appreciation as to the upsides of that, but also some of the downsides of that. Um, and I'm, I'm curious as to what, and I'm going to ask the same question to Neil in a minute, but we'll start with you. What, what, what do you think it's um, like for you, but also how does, how does it work for the others that Neil and Janet's daughters actually working in the business? Well, I think particularly because... They, I wasn't given any special treatment. I came in, like I say, with no experience at all. So I came in at the bottom. Mm. Um, I was the most junior AT when I started. I, you know, I did all the dog work, and I've gone through. I'm probably one of the only people in the company now that has gone through every job role. Right. So, I think people aren't. They don't have their nose out of joint about me being Neil and Jan's daughter because I've done the dog work to get to where I, where I am, and. I've been in all of their positions, well, except for the ones that are more senior to me, but you know, sure. all of the positions below me. Yeah. Um, I've I've done that job and I so I've got an appreciation for the work that other people are doing. There's you know, some of our managers have come in higher up, you know, I'm one of the ones that's actually gone like I say, all the way through through every stage. So I think I don't think I was given anything. I don't know whether everyone else would say the same. But, um, <laughs> yes, because it's uh, and, I, and I was in the same position. You know, it was uh, you know I was cleaning the toilets in the factory before. Yeah. You know that that you know so that they saw that I was willing to do that stuff, even though I've been pulled into uh, act as sales and marketing director actually. But it's, you know the first thing they witnessed was me cleaning the toilets in the yeah. factory, um, which was a deliberate ploy, I got to say. Um, but um, it was like you know you've got to show willing to to do the legwork as you call it the dog work yeah um, yeah so I think I don't think anyone and I don't think I particularly get any favoritism I think to be honest I probably get the opposite as in they won't be seen to allow me to do stuff they won't let anyone else do so if other people asked for some stuff they'd be like oh yeah you could have that off even though it's not normal and it's not within the employment contract or whatever yeah but then with me they'd be a bit more like oh because of how it's perceived yes so they don't so there's actually uh, it is weighted but it's weighted against you as opposed to for you is that what you're yeah. saying uh, not massively but yeah, I think yeah, some, yeah. some of the things that other people could get away with they couldn't let me get, get away, away with, with it because the team would perceive it in a different way yes so they have to um ensure that it's fair so yeah well it's interesting that you use the word fair because there's and i've referred to this before but there's a massive um, employee survey by an organization called the Sorota Group 
and and it's something like 13.6 million employee surveys feed this research. So it's like the most profound piece of research that I've ever come across as far as employees are concerned. And the primary conclusion that this research comes to is that unless a work environment is seen to be fair, you, you, there's no way you can get the other two things that they, the, the survey shows about, which is a sense of achievement and a sense of camaraderie. You, you know, those two things are great in a working environment, but actually the foundation on which they're built is this sense of fairness. And, so, and, it, and it can be seen, can't it, or could be seen that um, the, the relation of the managing directors um, comes in, can undermine that fairness, but it sounds as though the way they've made you start from the bottom and roll your sleeves up and do all the dog work, to use your phrase, has, uh, has overcome that. Is that how you think it is, Rachel? Yeah, I don't think they particularly made me start from the bottom. They just placed me where I deserve to be. Right. You know, like, and I don't mean that <laughs> yeah, in a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they didn't look at me in any other way. I had no qualification. Like, I had a degree, but I didn't have any accountancy experience. And, um, you know, I was the same as... And if anyone else had come in, they would have put them in that position. So they treated me, you know, and they've always paid me the same as, you know, they've never paid me. You know, like, it's... So, yeah, they don't... Yeah, I don't think that no they... special treatment, and actually, if anything, it's it's tilted slightly, it's just slightly, slightly yeah. so that um, there's an in, that Neil and Janet are ensuring that sense of fairness is always there. Yeah, but it's the... just so that it's not perceived. You know, it, yeah, yeah, even yeah. if it did seem, you know, even if it was, it would be fair to allow me to do it. If other people perceived that it wasn't fair, then then like you say, it would change the whole environment in work so the term, yeah they yeah, always the make sure that even if we all think it's fair if they feel someone in the team wouldn't yeah yeah then they won't yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, neil was it a de- deliberate ploy to bully uh, rachel throughout her 10-year <laughs> career in the in the firm is that <laughs> sorry couldn't resist, couldn't resist. Uh, uh no it was um i think rachel's right it, it's it's the fairness it's mm. it's a massive thing um it's a massive thing for jan and i and you know, it runs through the firm, really. We just want to be seen to be fair all the time. Um, yeah. And Rachel probably is right. We, you know, sometimes she probably would get a bit less slack than others mm. because we can't be seen to be doing it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You, we can't accept the apple car, can you? Uh, well, you, well, you, you can, Neil. And it's, you, can, you, know, but, and, and you, you see but, firms but a where... a great they, detriment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's firms, you know, where they do upset the apple cart, whether there's a relation or not. They, you know, there's actually... They've, they've not focused in on the fact that, actually, uh, everyone's a human being, which is part of the equation about being fair. Uh, everyone needs to be paid fairly, according to everyone else within the firm, because every firm's got its own ranking system, if you will, in terms of salaries. And also you've got to be paid fairly compared with this, a similar role in a similar firm in a similar location. And that's that's the definition from Sorota of fairness. Um, and, and, and firms do sometimes lose the plot on this sense of fairness, which dehumanises what's going on in the firm. Um, you, you say it's always been a focus of yours and Janet's to have that fair, firm, you know, a culture, if you will, Neil. What, what, what do you think, how does that show up? What have you done to deliberately build that sense of fairness in the firm? Ooh. I, I like to think we try and run it as a family sort of business, but try and have a corporate slant around it, which is a bit... You know, we've got to, we, you've got to have a corporate edge. It's got to be profitable. It's got to be efficient and everything else. But we still want it to be a family sort of 
business. You know, we mm -hmm. always look at the all the staff as though they're an extension of the family. You know, we we bend over backwards for them to help them, um, yeah. and we really appreciate them. Um, we don't always get it right because we don't, um, yeah. and we're not always appreciated. <laughs> and sometimes we don't always appreciate them, but we we try and deal with it in an adult way. And yeah. Um, yeah. It's an interesting phrase that, you know, family business with a corporate edge or corporate edge as a family business, business. it doesn't matter which way you look at it. Um, is that, that corporate edge the, you know, it has got to be profitable and that's where it stops or is there more to it than that, Neil? No, no, it's not that. It's corporate responsibilities as well, isn't it? You've got to have, your, you, you've got to have everything else wrapped around it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just very hard to have a team our size with two offices without having some sort of structures around it. Yeah. I am, I am at the moment reading um, No Rules Rules book, so uh, which is very interesting. Who's so, that by? I don't know this one. Oh, it's all about the Netflix culture. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, and it's extremely interesting. So, uh, and, and what is it you're seeing in there that you see in Lewis Ballard as opposed to what you're seeing in there that's not it, Lewis Ballard? The one thing that I picked up from it was that as we grew, and um, things happened, you end up putting policies in place which you don't really want to put in place. But again, you've got to put them in place to be seen to be fair. Right. <laughs> Whereas, ideally, you'd like to just go to the desk and say, oh, look, you can't really do that. Yeah. But all of a sudden, because someone's done it and then someone else tries to do it and then and then say, well, he did it, why aren't you letting me do it? And you end up putting a policy in place. And... And Netflix basically have just thrown the policies out the window. Oh, really? All oh, right. So absolutely out the window. Uh, so how are they building that sense of fairness then? When they, they, they're clearly going to create that sense of conflict. Um, well, you, you, I, I know you'll read it. Um, <laughs> I, I know you will now. Um, <laughs> but one of the, I've only, I've only just started it. But one of the points is they say they always hire uh, the best people. Yeah. And ad ad adequate performers are given a really good severance pep package. Oh, really? Right, okay. And that's one of their, you know, that's one of their stickers on their yeah. recruitment policy. Yeah. Um, they haven't got a vacation policy, they haven't got that, but it's quite interesting that they watch it from the, they sort of watch how people's behaviours come down. Right. And they really welcome honest feedback whenever and wherever. Uh, so it's, honest it's feedback sounds book, like yeah. an obvious thing to do, but sometimes it can be really difficult to deliver. Rachel, how do you think as a, and I know this is hard because I'm going to say as an employee, how good has Neil and Sean and, and, and Janet been at that honest feedback? And it's, and I need you to look at how it's worked for you, but also looking at other people in the team as well, because yeah. this is a, this is an easy thing to say and actually quite a hard thing thing to carry out in my experience yeah we do um we do mon like monthly feedback forms and everything like that but i think that if you've got people have and uh, to be honest some stuff comes up in that that you kind of go Ooh, you know like somebody's obviously kind of people i think people feel quite comfortable in our office yeah. but they also have a they do really have an open door policy and then you know like and my like my mum's more like HR and that sort of side of yeah, it. She's and much so, nicer honest, than your dad, in my experience. So <laughs> yeah. Well, Definitely. she's a different. Um, <laughs> have you ever? Have you done IMA? Have you heard of IMA? What the profiling tool? Yeah. Yeah. 
So my mum's blue, so she's right. people-focused, she's slower. Her main focus is she's not task-focused, she's people-focused, how they feel. As dad's red, so he's fast and he's task-focused. So yeah. they're, they're the polar opposites. Yeah. So when people have a problem, they tend to go to mum because she's more people-focused and she's more concerned about how they feel. So yes. she's more likely to fix it for them not that dad won't but dad would probably pass them to mum anyway yeah and um <laughs> delegate so, rage delegate yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so they go you know they and you see people go in and out of my mum's office all the time and she she does endeavor to sort out anything we you know if it's system problems and stuff like that they get sorted out prop like quite quickly but if there is a problem within the team if there's a problem within management or anything yep. like that and people they do go to my mum and say look I don't think this is working or they are not right right and right, um right. yeah and it does it, the honest feedback is there we we all we all we all hold each other accountable as a whole team like we're quite uh we all work hard we're a very hard working team and like I'm not just saying that because I'm a member of it. Like we are, you know, when you can sit there and you can watch, people don't slack. People, and if people do, the others hold them accountable. You just don't get away with it in our team. Right. You just everyone works hard. Everyone pulls their weight. They help each other out where they can. Yeah, they do as much as they can. But yeah, so honest feedback probably does come quite often in our office. I would say. Okay, well, there's, there's two places I want to go with that. One is it sounds as though you've got some sort of monthly team feedback process. Yeah. Yeah, we'll come back to that in a second. Um, how do you build a working environment where the leadership don't need to hold the team to account because the team are holding each other to account? How do you, how how does that how does that I come think, about, Rachel? I think it just organically happened, to be honest. And I think it's because people work because we take pride in our work, because we care about what we do and we care about our clients and everything like that. You know, if if you see that someone else isn't doing the same, mm. it it kind of infuriates you because you think, well, that's going to reflect on us and the rest of us are working really hard. And I don't think that there was, it was consciously formed, but I do think pretty much since I've been at Lewis Ballard, people hold each other accountable. You know, if you're slacking, well, people don't tend to slack though, to be honest, because... Yeah. So you don't, there's been the odd people that get held accountable and they leave quickly. Because they, come they don't in, like that accountability environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. come in, they don't do what they, you know, they say they do and, and they they go. And yeah, most, I would say everyone in our team now works hard. And yeah, you can have odd days where you're, you know, there's things that people love off days. But yeah, we do. Cool. So let, let me turn that question then uh, to you, Neil, because it's one of the um, um, whenever I go into and work with a firm, whether it be, you know, the top table leadership team or, the, the, you know, the top team, the top table and the managers or even on some occasions with all three layers, you know, the top team, the managers and, and, and the people who do all the real work, as it were. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the things that's um, often missing in a dysfunctional team is the lack of what you call honest feedback, what I would call constructive conflict, where there's an issue and it needs dealing with. Let's get it out on the table. Let's deal with it. And what you're saying, Rachel, is it sounds as though within Lewis Ballard that um, yes, we've got a hardworking culture and and therefore there's a set of standards. And this is my interpretation. I'm looking for Neil's uh, insights into this. Um, 
and therefore people anyone can hold anyone else to account and now i don't buy that by the way but i'm i'm curious as to you know, what what have you done deliberately to build that culture or or like rachel says has it just happened by accident no it didn't happen by accident um no we, we worked at, we worked at it for years being honest um via team days getting the teams buy in doing the core values um, and making them live by the core values. But we, the most, um, which sounds really awful, but the most pleasing thing is when we take on, we took on a new couple of new people into the business and when a couple of the, tur the team turned around then within like a couple of weeks and just go, Neil, Jan, Sean, they're not Lewis Ballard. All right. Or they're perfect. They're right. Lewis Ballard. They fit. And so when the team turn around and go, no, they don't fit, what, what happens next? Um, we monitor them closely and see how they get on and watch them. I right. think in my experience, I think there's probably only one or two who have actually come back round because, being honest, the team, they're working with them more closely than we are, obviously, and yeah. they're there all the time. Um and yeah, but their feedback does come back, and then nine, nine times out of ten, they're right. Mm. They just they just say they don't fit into the culture. They're not the right people. They're not. They're taking shortcuts. They're not team players. They don't live by our values. They don't, you know, all those sorts of things. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. And you know, don't get me wrong. The team don't have the final say on it, but but they have. You know, we really really value their feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really again, it's creating a, a conflict, isn't it, about, you know, key hires, mm. maybe maybe not working out. So you step in and work even more closely with them or make sure that people are working more closely with them to monitor them and, and yeah. improve their performance. And um, how, how quickly do you then make a decision as to whether they stay or go, Neil, in that setting? Um, it has gone from a couple of days to a couple of months. Right, actually wouldn't last two days yeah, she was yeah, never yeah. going to fit never yeah. ever going to fit but it's you know with, with just <laughs> yeah yeah yes. she Indeed. was crazy yeah yeah she's <laughs> never been in any office just doesn't fit accountancy um yeah. and you know sometimes that happens is it but it, you know yeah. it, it, it just goes to show doesn't it no matter how good your recruitment process is you can still make an error you, you know the interview process in itself is fraught with challenges in terms of determining whether you've got the right people or not or do you think you've got better at it um, I don't know. I think you, Jan's probably the better one to ask on this. Um, have we got better at it? In some ways, yes. Yeah. Uh, do we sometimes? Sometimes you you get saying yes and and the things are saying no or the other way round. And when you say things are saying no, what, what do you no, mean by your disc profiling and your right, okay. you, know, you know all that sort of stuff? So you bring um, some science. So there's some gut feel show up. There's some science yeah. shows up, and sometimes there's conflict. Yeah, you, you know we use disc a lot. Um, yeah, me too. And because of the f and because of the type of firm we are, uh, I think Rachel back us up on it. We don't stand still much. We're always up to something. We're always changing, and yeah, you know, constantly driving them mad by yeah. introducing all sorts of new stuff and new ideas and weird and wonderful things. Yeah. Um, and the problem you've got is with it, 
within the accountancy profession, they find that very hard to do so, to cope with. Um, uh, indeed. Indeed. From, from standard accountants. Standard accountants. And, it, and it, it's is, a massive yeah. thing. So when we have a look at the, one of the big things we look on, on the disc is the adaptability yeah. of the person. Uh, yes, and if that stress low, matrix yeah. versus adaptability, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit, I think yeah. that's, a, that's a big part of when we're recruiting as well to look at that. Yeah, and um, if that's too low, everyone we've gone with a really low adaptability hasn't lasted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this is, I, I, I'll just run through for those listening to this who are not familiar with this. So you've got, um, uh, uh, some people can cope with stress more than others. And, um, and and what we're looking for is there's a good fit, isn't there, in terms square peg, square hole, in terms of the nature of the role suiting the psychometric profile of the person. Um, and if the if there's only a, a say a a fifty percent match, that's going to create stress. If it's not a really good match, but if their adaptability is really high then they can cope with that. But if the adaptability is really low, they will not cope with that stress and therefore you're actually rehiving the wrong person. Mm. So, you know, there's a few moving parts to it, isn't it? But I, I agree with you, Neil. I think it's a, a really valuable um, element and aspect of bringing signs to the recruitment piece, which is interesting to hear you use the same. Um, uh, and Rachel mentioned IEMO, which is it's, it's along the lines of, of DISC. Yeah. But it's more of a communication tool. Yes. So we use that. Uh, and we use that a lot for, and it was a, uh, actually, uh, Rachel could probably explain it a bit better. And I think there's a few light bulbs moment gone in with a few of the team to understand that, because it's a f simple survey, Ima, you know, it's, it's yeah. done in a couple of minutes. Yeah. It'll give you the color, but that is so important when they're trying to communicate with clients. Right. So if you're trying to communicate to me as a high red, please don't send me a four-page email because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to read it. Yeah. Yeah, if you're a high green, they will. Yeah. But obviously with the accountancy profession as it is, mm. a lot of accountants are high greens. Right. So they try and communicate in their language. But most, most business owners are high reds. Are high reds, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, high, like or high yellows, yeah. Yeah, 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 yellows. Yeah. yeah. Also, it's the pace, so like... Reds and yellows are a faster pace, so they kind of just want to get there quickly. Um, yellow are people-driven. I'm a yellow, so um, show-offs, I think we're called. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> but, like, people-driven, fast-paced, and it's all just about, like, getting there quickly and everyone loving you. Yeah. Is a blues a bit slower-paced, and it's more about the other people and how they feel. And there's no right or about... wrong here, is there, Rachel? It's just different styles. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, you're yeah, never, yeah. and you're not one colour, but yeah. you're just normally stronger in one area. Uh -huh. And um, But, yeah, most accountants are green, and yes. they're talking really slow-paced, really in, like, in-depth detail to people who couldn't care less. They just <laughs> want to know the end result. Yes, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And that's why they don't have a relationship with their clients, because yeah. they don't. they just want to know... What like what my tax figure is? How can you make it smaller? How can you do this? What do I need to do in my business to make it better? What's not going right? What is going right? Where can you help me do that? You know, like that's what they want to know. They don't care yeah. about how much they spent on this and it buried twenty pound to last year. Like they yeah, couldn't who, care less monkeys. about yeah, that yeah, sort yeah, of information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And so, do you do you do you assess your clients using yeah. IMA yeah. as well? Yeah, all right. So every, every, all of them. All of them. Yeah, we do. When they, 
we keep chasing them and get them to fill it in whenever they can. Every new client will fill it in. And when right. they come in for meetings, when they come in for meetings, if we, if we haven't got it, we'll do it. And then it's, it's, it's kept on the practice management system then. Right. And does that influence which client manager goes to which client in any way, shape or form? Or is it just a case of everyone recognises their own style and adjusts and amends it to suit the client? How, does it, how, how do you use it from there on in? Uh, we want the client managers to adapt because it's part of their learning as well. Because right. um, let's be honest, Paul, it, you know as well as I do, um, every accountant can prepare a set of accounts. That's not why clients come to us. No, they come to us for the for the relationship and the communication and everything else. You know what, Neil? I'd argue also that they come to you for the confidence and certainty that then builds the trust, which I know you, yeah. you, you subscribe to. But there's that, you know, it strikes me that if you communicate in the same style as the client, are they going to feel more confidence and certainty that they've got the right accountant and therefore trust you? Um, yes. Yeah, I would have thought so. Without doubt. And, and you know, I, I can remember, he's not looked, but there was... Uh, but client managing in particular who just loves to send long emails and and he'd say oh, have a look at this before this goes and i'd say who's that going to what color is he he's a red and he'll just look up at me and go i'll change it shall i yeah <laughs> yeah because it's pointless yeah it's but that's brilliant pointless. neil because you you've got a tool and a reference point and a language to uh, uh, assess whether we're actually talking to writing to communicating mm with our clients in their language, for want of a better yeah. description, I guess, which ultimately humanises the way you're talking and communicating with your people. I think that's, um, that's brilliant, that is. But it's also used in the office as well, because myself and Sean are high reds. And Jan's There's a, a lot blue. of reds in There's a lot office. of reds. Yeah. Oh, is there? So in, in, yeah. in a world of green accountants, we've got a lot of reds in Cardiff. Is that yeah. not surprisingly, really, is it, yeah. given that it's, you know, <laughs> the yeah, yeah, well, it's it's colours? <laughs> Let's not bring that in this day. Hope, no, we won't bring the rugby English in. But, a, um, but it's quite often because the team will actually knock my door or go up the shan or whatever, and they'll take one look at us and they'll just go, are you really high red at the moment? <laughs> yes. Okay, we'll come back. And then they go away and they come back because right. they know there's no point in talking to us because we're not going to listen. Right. They know. And then, we, and then I'll make a conscious effort there and say, right, I finish now. Right. And then I'll give him the time and have the conversation with him. Because right, okay. Because there's no point. It's, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the old. I, think, I know. I know. Was it in AVN? They used to sort of put a flag on the desk and yeah. all that sort of. But they just know it now. Is yeah, it, yeah, yeah. That's true in it, Rachel. Yeah, and I was going to say, when, well, our, our tax manager is probably the greenest green you'll ever meet in your life. <laughs> well, like not surprising is. in tax management. Like, yeah. She's adapted herself very well, right. and um, and she's also she used to. Um, be a, a director as well with Dad and Sean and that. So she's worked very closely with um, Dad, Sean and Mum. So she knows them really well. Yeah. And she doesn't send them the same email. <laughs> like she sends Dad and Sean one email and she sends my mum a different email. Yeah. Or she'll wow. kind of write in the first paragraph what she needs Dad and Sean to read. And then the bulk of the email will be the information she'd want my mum to read because she knows that they're not going to read past that point. Yeah, yeah. So she doesn't even bother, but she knows that my mum wants that bit more detail and she'd want to know about the people. And So she pads it out for my mum and keeps it's it short for my dad and yeah. at the top. Yeah, yeah. So, like, <laughs> I think that's the challenge is trying to... You're not always going to be talking... You know, even within a business, if you've got three directors, they won't all be read or they won't all... Be, so you've got to try... 
to communicate with them all, but taking mm. into account that one of them's not going to... And she's really good at it, actually. She'll do like a... She always says, after the first paragraph, I know I've lost them too. So, so I don't... <laughs> you know, if I haven't put it in that paragraph, yeah. they won't read it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, and you've got to do that, I think, with business owners. you kind of got to go, well, I get the really important stuff in the top bit for the ones that are only going to read the top bit. And then yeah. I'll put all the detail in the bottom for the ones that want to know the detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stunning. But, it, but interesting, she, she, Rachel. She actually rings me up and says, I'm sending you an email. I know you won't read it, so I'm going to tell you what's in it in two minutes. So she'll then tell me what's in the email and then send me the email. Which you won't read because but you she, had it. She, yeah. Yeah. But she yeah. needs to send it because she needs to get the detail off her chest. Yes, because she's you know, like, So she needs yeah, yeah, to yeah. say, well, I did tell you everything, yes. even though you're not going to read it. Yes. And I'll give you a synopsis. I need to get the detail. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But Rachel, what I was going to say was there is is and and you you, you brought it up as well, Neil. Is that the, you, you want the clients client managers to adapt to the clients, which is back to you want to hire people on the disc profile with higher adaptability, so that a green doesn't get stressed out writing a red email. Yeah. Um, so actually, you, you know, you're, you're actually um, the, there's elements which are, are in congruence with each other. They fit nicely together as a, a, as if a jigsaw puzzle would fit nicely together. Um, so let, let me quite sorry, Paul. Very quickly on that one, we there was two clients in particular who were all full of high yellows. Right. Their whole businesses were full of high yellows. There was five or six in one and seven or eight in another. Every single one of them high yellow. They had a laugh a minute. They were having a party every day. They were full of ideas. They finished nothing. Nothing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely finished nothing, because. They were just having too much fun and coming yeah. up with ideas, and they all chasing the next big yeah, And they all idea. said they yeah, were yeah. how brilliant they all were. Yeah. So we literally, we literally put in a red, a blue, and a green in each office. Right. And their profits went through the roof. Right. So you you yeah, went painted. out to help them hire yeah. a, a, a red and a blue. Yeah. We said right. you need to hire different colours because yeah, you're yeah, never yeah. going to you're never ever ever going to get this business working with the people in charge at the, at the moment. Brilliant. So that's you know very clear return on investment from that that approach, and you know humanising the business, which actually ultimately generates massive results because you've got the right blend and balance of humans in the business. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. So Neil, earlier on you mentioned core values, and you've been very deliberate about setting those core values. What process have you gone through, or do you continually go through to make sure that there is zero doubt around the core values in the business? Um, the way we did it, we haven't done it for over 12 months because of COVID, because um, we haven't had a team day, so which is a bit awkward, really, because we, right. we we will always cover the core values in every team day. And, and are you saying, therefore, you have a team day every year? Yeah. We every haven't year. Had one for a, we haven't had one for a couple of years because... Because of the pandemic. And, then, yeah. right. um, and it's very hard to do one online, although we'll yeah. have to if it carries on. Yeah. Um, the way we did it originally was we gave them all a sheet with lots of values written down, every team member, and got them to circle their top 10 or 15. Right. Then we wrote up all the answers on a whiteboard and discussed it as a group and came up with what we thought would be the core values. Right. Which we all agreed. So that's a relatively simple and obvious exercise. Yeah. Uh, but holding people to account against the values is not a simple and easy exercise, is it? No. So how, how does that then follow through in terms of living the values? How does that show up? 
Rich? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think that's called a no, hospital no, pass, Rich. No, it's yeah. not. No, it's not. It, the team do it. Honestly, the team do do it. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, Rich said it earlier. The team do it. Like one of them is respect. Like in um, you know, and and accountability is one of them. So right. like that, you know, they are, um, and like if if you could. It, within the team, if somebody isn't being respectful to someone else, to be honest, it's not tolerated for like more than a minute. You know, like oh, right. that. You know, like uh, people would interject. It just doesn't happen. You know, like it's not. Um, you know, pe- people stick up for each other. There's not, and people aren't disrespectful. It's just people. Just it's just not the environment that our office is in. You know, like it's a training environment. You. You know, we have to go, as a manager, you'll go to people and say, like, look, this wasn't up to scratch and that. But nobody does it in a, like, there's, you know, we never slam stuff in front of people, do that again. You know, none of that. It's all learning. It's all teaching. It's all like, oh, we'll all sit and talk to people and, and, and vice versa. Like, people, you know, the juniors wouldn't just throw something at us and be like, it's done. You know, it's yeah, yeah, there's yeah. just respect. There just is. Everyone just speaks to each other how you would... We've got nice people working for us, you know? Like, yeah, so it starts with the rec- recruiting people that fit the values, isn't it? Yeah. Rather than trying to re-educate people and, and change their character so that they... I, yeah. I guess it starts there. What, what what are the other values then, Rachel? You've got respect, accountability. What are the others? Technical um, knowledge. Right. Teamwork. We've, so Teamwork. we've shortened it to TAR, didn't we? Teamwork, accountability, and respect. And teamwork was covering the team was covering technical ability and teamwork. Right. So, yeah. So teamwork, technical knowledge, accountability, and respect. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there was customer service was in yeah, there as well, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? But it has been shortened. Right. But yeah. So like, yeah, technical ability as well. You know, I think within the team, we most people are training. Yeah. You know, always trying to further themselves and stuff. So, yeah. Interesting. It just, See, one of the, I go into firms all the time, as you know, and um, it, it, this, the, the challenge which is building a definitive set of values that we really live, you know, it's one thing to do that corporate exercise and, and, and write them up and stick them up on a poster and, and so on, but that, that, and then they gather dust as opposed to what do we do to get to a place where they're being lived? Clearly in your firm, Rachel, it is being lived. But you, you're at the, not the end of that journey, because it's a journey that never ends, isn't it? But, you, you, you know, it's well established. It's, you know, how do, how do firms who are, say, listening to this uh, set about um, building that accountability around a set of core values that they believe in? It's because it, it, it doesn't sound easy to do that, partly because I don't think it is easy, but it can be done. What, what, what have you done to, and I guess I need to steer this question towards you, Neil, because this is early you know this has been going on for years and therefore you live now living the culture that and the results of that effort and energy yeah but well, you know Walsh so, he helped me do it didn't he so um yeah okay, so we're referring but, uh, to Rob yeah, Walsh's clear vision here but, yeah and I and I just think that it's um accountability is a massive one as well when you know going on this journey yeah it's, it's very hard to do it on your own right because I th- business owners are lonely people right um generally because they only talk to themselves or their other yeah. halves. Yeah, or a and, bottle. Yeah, yeah. And, and they just get it. Whereas they, and sometimes they don't always get the honest answers which they should get or they right. deserve. The feedback. <clears throat> yeah, right. yeah, okay. I can go back in history when, you know, when Rob came aboard, which I'll be ever grateful for. Um, 
and where we were, you know, I was in a real bad place. You know, I'd just taken over the partner, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. And, you know, I was never, ever, ever going to get into that position again. Yeah. So the, I think you've got to have a bit of humility about it as well. Right. Um, you can never, ever admit that you don't know anything. You've got to say sorry when you get it wrong. Yeah. Um, and you've just got to trust the people and let them run with it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those statements, isn't it? you just got to trust the people and run with it. Um, it sounds, sounds a bit, forgive me, Neil, it's sort of a bit throwaway, that. Um, it, you know, if you, if you as a leader are willing to be accountable to someone else, which is, I think, the point yeah. you're making here. Well, they're all in, held accountable, Paul. When I say let them run with it, yeah, we measure it every month. Right. And every week, you know, they're measured all the time and they're held accountable for their performances and everything else. Yes. But what, what I'm saying is, is we've got to, when I say run with it, I mean, we've got to be prepared as business owners to let go of us being the person that everything goes, everyone, everything goes through. Yeah, that control freak piece. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the big, the first thing we ever did was um, we did a 360 degree um feedback form and i had an absolute kick in oh did abs- you yeah all well, right and and when i look back now god you 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 know i just taken off the partner they've been working all hours all that sort of stuff yeah 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 yeah. and, and then um, you get kicked again yeah and then you just think oh my god do i really want to say this but but you know we could have walked away probably then but there was people involved in the business that we cared for and we didn't want them to lose their jobs yeah um and we had, to, and when I look back now, I, I do quite actually, I do quite regularly look at it. Uh, it comes up every now and again. And yeah. when I look at it, I think there were some people in there who weren't right for the culture, who did go pretty quickly, because uh, some of it was just nasty. Being honest, it wasn't constructive. It was just yeah, yeah, destructive comments. Yeah, 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 yeah deep constructive. But comment, there was a lot of it, which was which yeah. was true. Yeah. It was true. And, and, you know, you've got to stop and look yourself in the mirror and see how other people see you. Yes. Not how you see yourself. And that's where the humility comes in, doesn't it? And it yeah. You know, it sounds like what you're referring to, uh, whether consciously or otherwise, Neil, is you, you look at, say, the research by Jim Collins into the great companies in his Good to Great study. And he yeah. talks about, you know, the really great leaders are the ones that bring two things to the table. One is humility and the other is a will to deal with it. So the humility to respond to um, a kicking from a 360 degree feedback process that then sponsors uh, an approach to establishing a set of working values that ultimately the leader has to be um, live, have they? Because if you don't live those values, no one else in the company is going to live them. Yeah. Um, and so if you've used that, that process, which requires a lot of will as well as humility to embed those and bed in and truly live those values, then um, it sounds as though you're already reaping the rewards based on the way Rachel's describing the, 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 the culture of the team. So there's one, I've got one loose end, which you've uh, neatly segued us into again, which you brought up earlier, Rachel, which is the monthly team feedback. What, what, how, how's that constructed? What's, what's in there and, and what do we do with it? Well, it, so it's just a survey monkey that gets sent out, but we have a monthly team meeting. So everything that's um, raised in this, so it'll be really simple questions like how have you felt this month? Like what's made, what's gone well this month? What's made you happy? What's made you sad? What can we do to improve the thing that you weren't happy with? 
Right. Like if you spotted anything that would help with our service to customers and yeah, yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff. And then there is just general feedback. There's a monthly team member, so you get to nominate a member of the team, which I think is really important because it gives everyone a chance to give, and they all get read out. So, like, if... Um, you know, if you don't win because you only got two nominations, you still get told you got two nominations, two nominations. and why. So you still get the yeah. pat on the back, even if you didn't get the bottle of wine or the box of chocolates or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's a, a good chance for everyone to kind of, yeah, give each other the pats on the backs publicly yeah. and kind of say, look, nice. you did well on this, you did well on that and everything. So I think that's good. And every any bit of feedback that comes through, like anything that's made people sad or anything like that, that all gets discussed. Mm. And stuff gets put in place to try and fix it. But again, it'll just be discussed as a team. It won't be. It won't say whose feedback it was, but yes. it, it'll be discussed. And you know, as a team, then we'll kind of think, oh well, maybe if we tried to do this or if this happened. So yeah, and we have um, we have appraisals as well. So we all feedback on each other, like in a more um, like official sort of thing. Yeah, like more we have formal a proper approach. Yeah, more yeah, formal yeah, way yeah, yeah, afterward. Yeah. Um, and that's really good. That How goes... often are they, Rachel? How often are so they? So I think they're meant to be quarterly, but again, because of everything that's been going on, it's not been happening. But you get held, again, that comes back to accountability. You set your targets, so like, of what you want to do. And then, you know, and it yep. may be stuff like passing my next professional exam or bloody yep. blah, blah, or it may be that I need to do more of this work or focus on this yeah all of that and then in the three months then you get asked did you do what you said yeah, yeah, yeah. um but the feedback goes up and down on that one so the juniors feedback on the managers the managers feedback on the juniors we you can so it you know you you get feedback there's opportunities at every level to give feedback against you know like everyone really yeah yeah contributing as opposed to it being a a, a, a battle and i think yeah. you know maybe maybe therein lies one of the um one of the routes to creating that culture of accountability is the juniors know that they're going to feed back on how well the manager has been managing them yeah um and they and to be honest they haven't over the last year or so because of everything that's been going on had as much support and training from the managers as, as they you, should have as they and we have yeah. all been told that in no uncertain terms because <laughs> right. they've told that so yeah. they so that's how it is there it goes both ways they yeah you know they get asked they just say look they haven't helped us they haven't you know they've just given us work and we haven't known what we did right or wrong because it's all re remote and we're all learning to deal with this new world yeah 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 but Brilliant. it you know it is it is in place it's not just us saying it they the feedback is there yeah Amazing. So it, it, it strikes me that you've got this, uh, and I don't mean to blow smoke in your direction politely, um, but it, it feels from this conversation that you've got that balance and blend of humanity and numbers at play. So, for example, the survey, the team survey you've just described, Rachel, there's some numbers in there which is feeding, giving you some numerical feedback on how the team are feeling and so forth. But then there's the human process of getting together as a team to review that information and, you know, play a bit of a game around nominate, who's, who's nominated who as team member of the, the month so that there's, a, you know, there's that thing to look forward to. Um, there's the, you know, what you're doing with disc profiling and the recruitment process, so we're bringing some numbers to play there, but the interview process and actually the feedback from the team afterwards is a very human way of assessing whether we've got the right fit. The um, 
the you know blue green yellow red you know EMA thing is um, you know there's a there's a science piece if not a numbers piece then certainly a, a bit of science that's bringing some humanity to the table in terms of how you interact with each other in the team as well as making the most of that from a, a customer communication point of view, um, which leads me to conclude that you've got a really you know humanity-driven business that, to use your words earlier, Neil, has got that corporate edge about, you know, actually building the capital value, ensuring the cash is in the bank, making the profit so that everyone can benefit financially from the business as well. Um, that's been brilliant. Tell me, Rachel, of everything we've covered off today, is there anything that stands out for you as a good reminder or something that you're going to pick up and, and, and look at uh, Lewis Ballard and think, oh, I need to push my uh, mum and my dad and the, uh, the rest of the management team here to get the bloody axe together? What, what, do, what do you think stood out for you today? Um, no, I think the main thing is we need a team day. We do need one. There's members of our team that haven't actually been on a team day. Um, just purely because of everything that's happened so i think we definitely need that and yeah. we need we just need to get back in the office i think and just get back <laughs> it's together. coming isn't it it's coming yeah it's coming. yeah yeah because yeah. um, i think like it i think it's still i i was on maternity leave for a lot of the original lockdown so right. i you know like i didn't actually deal with the main struggle that everyone else did you were dealing with other struggles rachel yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 and joys, and joys. Yeah. But um, you know, like that adapting to rem like remote working and all of that, it was very, very challenging. I kind of came in when it was up and running, and I just jumped on. Um, so I think a lot of stuff has potentially slipped just purely because of of COVID, and it, the focus needs to get back onto that. But the team spirit's still there. That's the amazing thing with mm. the team. Mm. Is it still there? We just need to be in the same building. I think. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is coming. So, Neil, for you, what, what, you know, to a degree, you know, a, a discussion like this, you know, shines a bit of a spotlight on the business from a different, slightly different perspective, i.e., mine. What, what's, um, you know, wh where do you think the spotlight has um, focused your mind on in terms of what uh, could, should now happen within Moose Ballard? Yeah, we. Just, I think Rachel's right. We just got to get back in the office. Uh, we're really conscious at the moment that. Um, People need to be developed. A bit, but the, the, the people aren't developing like we want them to develop because they're right. not getting the constant feedback. We got an the open knowledge plan. and skills not growing. Yeah, we yeah. got an yeah. we got an open plan office um, where you know people just pick up on telephone conversations. If someone's doing a borrowing proposition and they're speaking to a bank manager, then two weeks later the client rings up and says, "Oh, hang on, hang on, I know someone. Who, hang on." You know, Rach spoke to them about that last week. Hang on, mm. let me have a think. Or, or, or Beck, you know, how did you do this? Or Sam, or you know, and they just bounce off each other, and they, you know, and it's 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 great for team spirit. It's great for morale. It's brilliant for customer service, mm. um, and it's great for their development and learning as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And the other thing they is, they overhear yeah, a lot. They do. They overhear everything. Yeah, like the yeah. juniors, they would just hear you talking to a client and just kind of go oh I didn't even think about that without even consciously being aware that it's going through their brains they're yeah. just listening to phone calls and also they don't they don't feel like they're such a hindrance if they literally just pop their head to my desk and go Rach I can't figure this out can you quickly help me through that as mm. actually trying to send me an email trying to pick up the phone and get hold of me and you know like while we're remote they mm. they're not getting the same contact where they would literally just pop around and be like oh I, i'm stuck on this it's just not balancing yeah can you just come and have a look and you, I, you know you just stand over their shoulder for five minutes figure it through and then and yeah, yeah, they yeah. 
that that's definitely missing, I think. Yeah, the the, I mean, the, the, a lot of the research studies are pointing to the fact that you know, skill building and innovation are the two areas which have, have taken a real hit because we haven't got that. We're in the mix together yeah. in around the same table or tables as as often as we were. Um, but ultimately, you know, there's um, arguably. You know, I don't know where you sit on this, but just so many firms that I'm talking to are talking about, right, we've got to work out how to make this work from home two days a week in the office three days a week or some some balance and blend and to get the benefits of both ways of working. Is that is that where you're thinking of this? I think that will come. I think that will come. Um, the problem is this. It's the social impact as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's mm. the social impact. It's, you know, we got a great... They're brilliant. Our team are absolutely brilliant, and they. Um, but they're young. They have a bit of fun. They enjoy themselves. They bounce off each other. You know, they'll have a laugh and a joke. Um, and I think they all miss it because that's a that's a massive part of work. Yeah, um, that the camaraderie piece yeah, of that three part. It's, it's huge. Model, you know, and then yeah. you know, coming in and sharing stories about what they've just done with a client and moaning about the pain in the ass client and you know all all that sort of stuff it, yeah. it's 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 really important because yeah. while they're doing that i don't think they realize that they're actually those experiences they're sharing are teaching everyone else in the room what's happening and mm. especially the youngsters coming up it's you know if you've got a real crappy client on the phone rightly so for some whatever reason how you deal with them is really important. Yeah. Um, and if they don't hear people deal with them, mm. they just never know what to do when they come on the phone, do they? Mm. So um, mm. it's, it's, it's the little thing, you know, tech, as I said, technical stuff is just for the lecturers to teach them how to do accounts and, you know, that's, that's studying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the development of the person. Yeah, it's that the yeah, development of the humans in their yeah. human interaction, human yeah. communication with their team as well. Yeah. As the it's developing yeah. them as people, you know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, Jan and I always say, and Sean, whoever comes to us, uh, we always want them to leave better people. Yeah. Not just better accountants, better people. Yeah. Because we want to teach them all sorts of different skills. Yeah. And and expose them to so many different things that. Mm. And we do like taking people out of their comfort zone. Because, you know, how do you learn? I mean, you've got to be stretched, totally haven't you, Neil? You've got to be stretched. Yeah. They, they, like, they like to put people in places that you think, oh, they're not. But most people adapt to it. They do well, okay. if you've recruited them, Rachel, and they've got that high adaptability piece, then they are going to, aren't they? You know, yeah. it might not be a perfect fit. But, um, but I think that's a brilliant way to leave the podcast is, you know, let, let's hire people so that we, um, when they leave us, they leave us better people and you've done a fair job haven't you yeah. and and on on the journey they will have delivered great value to the business as well yeah. it seems like a good uh, a, a good very human way of, um, of, of of working with the team rachel neil this has been a, a joy thank you very much uh you've been so open and it's been um a privilege to spend the last 40 odd uh, 40 odd minutes together thank you very very much indeed Thanks, Paul. Thank you again. Thanks for asking us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you. And, and we didn't even mention the 40-24 rugby score, did we? But oh, then we left. I left it right at the end. I left it right. I know. I know we left it in. That's why we left it at the end. <laughs> You'll find more valuable discussions with the leaders of ambitious accounting firms at humanisethenumbers.online. You can also sign up to be notified 
each time a new podcast is made available. This podcast series, Humanise the Numbers, has been made possible thanks to the support of our sponsors, My Work Papers, Advanced Track, Citago and VFD Pro. Visit humanisethenumbers.online, click the logo of each sponsor and you'll hear what our podcast interviewees have to say about the sponsor's services.